What's up, Godspeak? I'm back with your announcements again this week. Uh, I'm definitely not in the same spot I was last time. Uh, no, I, I am. But um, hey, guys, as always, let's um, pray over the tithe and offering with me as we give this time to the Lord. Jesus, we thank you for your love, God. We thank you for um, all the ways you, you show your love to us, God. And so uh, we just we just commit this offering to you, God, and we ask that you give us generous hearts, Lord, and that um, you give us the ways to continue to further your ministry. So we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Uh, VBS, it's literally right around the corner. Um, and as I said last week, super excited that, you know, we, we got 200 kids coming. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. Um, but hey, we need volunteers to manage all those kids, make sure everything goes smoothly. So um, it, they, need, they still need leaders and a few other positions are available. So uh, maybe you're just interested in, in helping, you want to get more information, head over to the Children's Ministry check-in table, and then they'll give you that information, they'll let you know what to expect, um, and, and then you can hopefully register as a volunteer for that event. All right, Sunshiners, um, you guys got your, your monthly gathering coming up June 17th at 10 a.m. You're going to be able to hear from Troy Freeman from Helping Through Horses. So. Um, that's going to be awesome. You're not going to want to miss him. Um, you can you can sign up uh, out in the foyer, and, and just it's going to be an awesome event. You do not want to miss that. All right. Lastly, guys, Cafe Ministry. It's reopening soon. They need volunteers, so um, you can fill out a Connect card and just let us know you're interested in helping with the cafe. And I'm sure everyone in here that loves coffee would greatly appreciate you. So, um, guys, go do that. And, and um, that's all for me from this week. As always, go to our website, godspeak.com, and follow us on Instagram. All right, I'll see you. I woke up one day in this last year and said, what's happening to our country? Right? What's happening? And uh, he unpacks it in this book. And it's a dense read, and you'll want to get it. But we're going to have him here as a special guest. And we're going to have a conversation with two preachers and an atheist about postmodernism from uh, Dr. James Lindsay. And it's going to be a crazy time. And we're going to use it because uh, there's obviously things that um, he doesn't see the same as we do. But you know, right now, you guys, this is the strangest thing to me. Right now, we're having more connection and more similarities with a guy like this than we are a lot of the churches across America that have went woke and they're, they're just spewing all of this stuff that's unbelievable and uh, we need some common sense. We need some reason. And so the Lord's been really building some unusual alliances for us in this season. Well, with those two things out of the way, we uh, had the first event for a whole week of ministry that's going to be happening with the whosoevers. And we're going to show a short video clip. And then on the heels of this, Ryan Reese with the whosoevers is going to come up and share with you guys the vision of it. And then next Saturday, he's going to be sharing with you everything that happened through this week. And there's a special movie premiere also on Wednesday night that they've put together. So check out this video. So we've been here in California and the pandemic shut everything down. Around the world, people are afraid and on edge. I thought it'd be a good opportunity for the whosoever's to be active and doing ministry in this time right now. Since everything's shut down, Idaho's open, so that means we can give the gospel out and reach as many people as possible. We came up with 10,000 flyers, 100 posters, and I just charged it to Idaho. Whosoever's trip is completely insane. Life-changing. God, fireworks, <laughs> the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is going down. Skateboarding. I missed it. He came up to me and he's like, dude, what happened tonight was crazy. I've been to youth group, I've been to church, but I've never experienced what happened tonight. And I said, shut your mouth, dude, okay? And I said, wait till the camera gets here. <laughs> Yeah, now I went from tour mode to daddy duty, so this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and um, just because my background, where I came from, God literally pulled me out of the gates of hell and, and literally saved me from a, from a very radical uh, life working in the music and the skateboard industry with drugs and alcohol and all that stuff. But he, he grabbed me out and snatched me out of the flames of fire, like it says in Jude. Yeah. And... <clears throat> 
And what happened is, during the lockdown, I started thinking about people taking their lives and the effects that the coronavirus and, and, and the government, all this stuff has been having on kids. And I said, what would Jesus do? Do you think he'd be sitting at home isolated, watching the world, you know, burn? So what I did is I just said, God, hey, if you want us to go to Idaho, then, then open the door. And I was waiting for a phone call. I got the phone call. You saw the trailer. We went to Idaho, and we saw all these kids get saved. So we pivoted with our ministry, because we normally tour high schools, public school system. We do assemblies all around the world. And at that time, we just continued to get in front of the youth. And basically, uh, we haven't stopped since the, the pandemic hit. We won't stop. We keep going. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I'll... I'll end, it, I'll end it with this. Jesus says, preach the gospel, signs and wonders follow. Go out, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And basically, that's our model. We're seeing what Jesus says. He says, go out in twos, go from town to town, village to village, and city to cities. And that's exactly what we're doing. We're preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. We're laying hands on the sick. They're getting healed, casting out, literally casting out demons in Mexico. That cartel guy, he was a cartel guy. We cast a demon out of this dude. It was crazy. But... We literally take the Bible for what it says. Genesis, the revelations, face value. Amen. You read it, you do it, that's it. It's inerrant. So if you want to learn more, come and check out the premiere on Wednesday night. It's going to show the effects of the major lockdown, what we were doing during everyone else was sitting isolated. And then, on, and then we're going to hit eight skate parks in a row. We hit one today in, in East L.A. All, all the kids got saved that came around the circle. It was amazing. And then on Saturday night, I'm going to be teaching, and we're going to tell, talk about stories, but I'm going to be teaching the Kill the Noise message. I just came out with a book. It's called Kill the Noise. You can buy it wherever books are sold. Um, it's a faith-building tool and a discipleship tool because I can't remain with every kid that I come in contact with, but it's a tool. It doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian walk. It, is a, it will grow your faith. It will encourage you that literally at the end of the book, you're going to be set on fire and be like, let's go live the Great Commission. So I'll be out in the back after to talk to you guys. Here's uh, Christina, one of the ambassadors of the Whosoevers. Hi, guys. What's up? So I wanted to share with you guys just a quick story about what God did at our skate park today. So we were in East Los Angeles at Belvedere Skate Park. We had gang leaders there. We had kids coming from gangs. We had a kid that showed up to fight another kid, but the Holy Spirit moved. That's a different story. Um, but you guys, in John chapter 4, there's a story of the woman at the well where God, Jesus came to this woman and showed her and spoke something about her life that she didn't know previously, right? And on Saturday nights, we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and we move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of words of knowledge and of healing at our events. So this girl that I, that I met today at the skate park, she had colorful hair, tattooed, really rough around the edges. She was a roller skating chick. I saw her, we were hanging out, and at the end of our skate event, homegirl was in the back, and so I went out, and I said, God, God gave me a word of knowledge for you, and God spoke to my heart about something about your life, and she's like, okay, and I said, God gave me an image for you of a bunch of crocheted hearts, and she said, shut up, I crochet. She's like, I have a crochet business, and I was like, praise God, and I said, I saw, I saw these scissors going through the hearts, almost like, like you've had parts of your heart that have been shredded over this last year, and she starts crying, and she said, my mom and my, and my grandma just died, and this girl starts crying and crying, and I just leaned in, and I gave her a hug, and I said, God sent me today to let you know that he loves you. I'm standing in the gap for your mom and your grandma that you lost this last year. And she said, I used to go to church. And I said, get back in church. And this girl starts crying. And so these are the encounters that these kids are having with the Lord at the skate parks. That this girl is going to go back to her home and be like, someone told me something about my life. And her boyfriend's tripping like, dude, like... How did she know? And I told her, I said, it's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. I want to let you know that God sees you and he sent us today to let you know how much he loves you and how much he wants to encounter you. This happens at every single one of our skate park events. We have, yes, thank you. So God speak Calvary. Please be praying for us. We encounter demonic possession. We have a lot of kids who are cutting, who are suicidal, who are active in the occult, who are going to be getting saved and coming to Christ. We need all of the prayer we can get. We cannot do it without you. That's all. Thank you. Good job. And I've brought my crochet needles tonight to knit you a message. No, I haven't. 
Hey, let's pray for them right now. They have a full week. Our team's gonna be working with their team and you guys are gonna rejoice with them next uh, Saturday. You know, the Bible says that when one sinner repents, the angels rejoice in heaven. So next Saturday, we're gonna have a lot to be rejoicing uh, with the whosoever's. We're thankful, Ryan and the whole team and Christina, that they've come to do this. Let's pray right now. Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit will do a miracle in our county and East LA and everywhere these eight skate parks that they're going to, these outreaches, these contests, as they share the gospel, as they bring your love to broken, hurting hearts, Lord, we just pray for a harvest. The fields are white unto harvest, Lord, so we pray that you would provide all the workers to reach these people and to touch their lives by your grace. We also pray that you just open our hearts to the truth of your word as we get into it, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I just have a fun thing. It has nothing to do with my message. But uh, I'm sure that you're aware of a very famous story in the Bible of Jonah and the whale, right? And so when I want to ask somebody if they actually believe the Bible, there's a couple of passages I go to. And I say, hey, do you believe that the Lord parted the Red Sea for the children of Israel to go through? And I was meeting with a pastor a while back. And he's like, no, the verdict's out on that. And I said, okay, how about Jonah and the whale? Did God really send a great sea creature to swallow up his prophet and to vomit him up, uh, you know, after... uh, three days in his uh, non-air-conditioned ride around the ocean. He's like, absolutely not. And this is a pastor of a growing church in our community. And so this week, this is just one of those nutso things. This lobster diver is a, a whale. Gets him, right? Oh, I was completely inside, this lobster diver says. And uh, we have a picture of him. He's in the hospital. Well, the, this is how big a creature it takes to get you totally inside the mouth, right? And this is him after, after the fact. And then his friend sees the, the whale. He starts fighting inside the mouth. This is, just happened this week, you guys. He starts fighting inside the mouth, and the whale vomits him out and says, this guy's going to give me heartburn. I don't want him in my stomach. But uh, that's just extra credit tonight. For We believe God's word. Amen? Right. Amen. Hey, we are reading through this incredible Anchored in the Word series, reading through God's Word in two years. If you need a Bible, you just showed up, you didn't bring a Bible, just raise your hand. The servants back here are going to get you a Bible. And if you don't have a Bible, take that home. That's a gift for you. And we're going to be looking at our reading this week. And our message goes with the people's reading. So the preachers are preaching from the passages that we're reading. This week we're in the book of Acts. We're in the book of Deuteronomy and Psalms and Proverbs. But we want to look at a message, the precision of the Spirit, because we're going through the book of Acts. Last week we looked at the wisdom of the Spirit when they had a problem in the church in Acts chapter 6 and how the Spirit led them to come out with an incredible solution by God's grace, and all the people loved it. Now, you know it's a move of God when all the people like it because people are fickle. They're, you know, they're contentious. And so we saw the wisdom of the Spirit. But what about the precision of the Spirit in your life personally? There's the general will of God. The general will of God is revealed for all of us. This is how I want you to live. I want you to love God. I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. But the secret will of God is specifically for you what he wants you to do, how he wants you to minister. It's the lane of life that God has called you. Yes, he ministers in large ways, but we're gonna see a guy here by the name of Philip that God uses in really four radical ways if you follow his life in the book of Acts. We see him first serving widows. He has compassion. He's serving widows that he's their daily bread. He's just, you know, full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit. That was the requirement. And then when he's persecuted, he courageously takes the gospel to the Samaritans, which were a half-breed of Jews, and he breaks down the social stigma barrier, and he goes right into their midst, and an incredible revival breaks out. And then this story here that we're going to be looking at, and then the last snippet, if you will, a Polaroid of his life in Acts chapter 21, it says that Paul the Apostle, as he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he's going to be in prison and and put in uh, chains, it says that he had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Philip becomes a family man. And to have that influence in his four daughters' lives, that they're all believers in Jesus, they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they all have this incredible gift of prophecy. 
This guy's one of those off-the-chart guys as far as everything God called him to do in his personal life, filling him with the power of the Spirit and the precision to lead and guide and direct his life. You see, God is going to guide and direct your life. I think this is apropos as we're getting ready to launch the Whosoever's this week, is that God has all these incredible divine setups that are going to take place um, throughout this week. And we're going to hear all about them just like Christina was just sharing about the girl, that she had this word of knowledge that it just, it opened, it read her mail to where she just came undone and realized that God loved her. In this message, the precision of the Spirit, we're going to look at divine direction, divine obedience, divine setup, divine preaching, and a divine exit. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word as we pick it up here in Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch a great, uh, of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. And sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter, as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth? So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this, of himself or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Father, once again, we just ask that you would open our eyes, that our spiritual hearts would have incredible understanding. Show us cool things, Lord, for our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we look at this precision of the Spirit, the first thing we see is divine direction. You see, he's in the midst of a revival. Incredible things are happening, so much so that they hear the report down in Jerusalem and they send up Peter and John to come lay hands upon the believers so that they would receive the Holy Spirit. It's an incredible work that is going on. In the midst of this, the Lord sends an angel to speak to him. Now, God can speak to us in a moment. It's going to say, the Spirit said to him. Here, the holy, the, an angel speaking to him. God communicates with his people. And he communicates with us today, just like he did back then. We are not cessationists that we believe that the work, supernatural work of the Holy Spirit is, was done with the canonization of Scripture. We believe that God speaks to his servants today. I've been walking with Jesus for 36 years, and God has spoken to my heart and led my life in powerful ways. I'm married to my beautiful wife who loves Jesus with all of her heart, and God's Spirit has spoken to her and led her life. And then I've watched my kids who love the Lord, and they've shared how God speaks to their heart, and oftentimes, even as my own daughter has a gift of prophecy, prophesying to her own father's life. When you see this, it... it there's nothing like awakening to the reality of being connected to the God of the universe in intimacy that he loves you and he wants to communicate with you. Yeah, the person to the right and the person to the left also, but you specifically. Now, this is uncomfortable for some people because they, they get uncomfortable if you talk about the precision of the Spirit, the wisdom of the Spirit. They're kind of freaked out because they've seen some weird things. And let me just tell you, there's a lot of weirdos that blame a lot of stuff on the Holy Spirit that's not God's fault. Just want to tell you straight up. A lot of weird things. I got a word for you, brother, you know. And, and I've had people have all, some of the craziest words for me. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that's Jesus. <laughs> But when we look at this divine direction, he tells him specifically. How's that work? I think God communicates to each of us in the way that is meaningful to us to get us to the place that you're really wanting to 
be open to his will, you're praying for his will, and then he directs you with his will. For me, when the Lord speaks to my heart, it's this clear thought process that comes into my mind in the form of communication that I somehow sense by faith is outside of me. Not my own thoughts. Now, I'm like you. Most of the time I live in my head. My head's a busy place. I got all kinds of thoughts. I have dreams. And I know that's all me. Like all the confusion and all my thoughts, that's me. I know that voice. It's very familiar to me. (laughs) But when God speaks through all of that and says, hey, I want you to do this. I'm like, whoa, that was, that was totally the Lord. I was at a really fruitful ministry that I had poured my life into t- for 25 years, and God was doing amazing things and rocking a region of Idaho, reaching into Wyoming, reaching into the top of Montana, and I was happy there. I was actually planning and praying for the next 15 years. My goal when I went there was to spend 40 years in a Mormon community, talking about the love of Jesus. That was my vision. And I was praying about this 15-year plan that I had, because I'm, I I'm future-oriented. That's just the way I live inside my head. And I'm going for a prayer walk, and I'm asking the Lord about this board meeting I'm going to have on Friday. I'm like, hey, you know, I'm just going with my cup of coffee. I'm talking to Jesus. And, and then the Lord just speaks to my heart and says, this is not my plan. You finished your race in Idaho Falls. You're done. Hand off the ministry. I have something else for you. Talk about rock my world. I'd only told my wife, because we had this incredible dream team of uh, 120 staff members, and I told my wife, I said, I'm having more fun in ministry than I ever have in my whole life. A month later, Jesus says, leave. <laughs> like, that makes no sense to me, right, logically. My whole staff's like, this makes no sense to us. The board's like, this makes no, no sense to us. And I'm like, all I know is I know when God talks to me, when I came to Idaho Falls, God spoke to my heart. I asked him at a church service that was about 50 50 miles away from, uh, I was in Pocatello, Idaho, and I felt like that Sunday, God was going to speak to me about our future. At the time, I was a youth pastor for Don McClure, and and I was preaching as a guest at Calvary Chapel of Pocatello, a church that I had planted two years before that, and and I'm preaching, and I said, Lord, just by the mouth of two or three witnesses, I know you're going to talk to me. And the Lord had one couple after another, four couples individually came that were driving 50 miles to come to a church service, and one, they'd walk away, and the next couple came up, hey, would you come to Idaho Falls and start a church? We heard you started this church in 1991, Calvary Chapel of Pocatello. And I just knew, I mean, Lord, I asked for two witnesses, and you gave me four. You're so good. You're so kind. And I knew he wanted me to do it. And the kind of confidence that I went for the next 25 years, and then... When he spoke to me, it wasn't from a bunch of witnesses. He spoke to my own heart and said, well done. You finished your course here. Now I got another work for you to do. Now, this is the mind-blowing thing because my, I'm, when God tells me something, I'm like, okay, pack the suitcase. We're done. That's the way I'm wired. It's like once I know God's will, I just go for it. Now, my wife likes a lot of processing. And you guys have, she's organized, she's methodical, she's, she just does things so, she just, she kills everything so much better than me. And, and, but for six weeks, there was something gnawing on her, and I could tell, you know when you've been married, I've been married 35 years. So, it's like, hey, what's up with you? And she's like, oh, nothing, and she'd kind of poo-poo it away, and, and I, I realized that she was just in this place, that she was processing something with Jesus, And so when I called her, she was in Hawaii with her parents, and I said, love, God just talked to me. We're done at Water Springs. This is 25, this is really my whole life's work, 25 years, right? And I said, we're done. God has something else. And on the other end of the line, she's like, that's awesome, honey. Let's do it. That's not the typical conversation we would have had at that moment, (laughs) right? My wife has lots of questions. Lots of questions, and you must answer all the questions. You must get through the questions because they're good questions and they're wise questions and only wise people move forward with such good information, right? So when she told me, great, honey, I'm like, what just happened? Like somebody, an alien just took over my wife's body and her brain's not there because I was expecting a big conversation. But when I came home, she said, you know what's been bothering me for six weeks? God's been telling me every day, disengage from ministry, disengage from ministry. And I told him every day. 
my husband's the preacher. How can I disengage from ministry? I can't disengage from ministry. This is, this is what we do. And then when I told her, God's called us away, it all made sense to her. She's like, okay, goody, I wasn't crazy. <laughs> so this is, this is God's kindness to me, that Jesus talks to my wife for weeks and weeks and weeks before he tells the bonehead what's up. <laughs> so the divine direction for Philip is to arise and go to the south and to go down to this area towards Gaza, the ancient Philistine city. And this is a place of desert. But, you know, when God asks you to do something, how long do you drag your feet? Right? What's, what's it say immediately in verse 27? Divine obedience. So he arose and went. Now, at this point, we think he's uh, single and he did not have to have a marital conversation. So that's pretty easy. Just get up in the morning and go. But you know when the Lord asks Abraham to do that, he goes, Abraham, Abraham. He goes, here I am, Lord. He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go offer him as a burnt sacrifice on the mountains of Moriah. What's it say? Did it take him months to get around to that? It says that he rose early in the morning. He got up and he took the servants and he went. I want you to know that when you tune into God's spirit and the precision of the spirit, he is moving you when he speaks to your heart because there's timing that he's orchestrating, right? He's gonna go down here and talk to an Ethiopian eunuch that's traveling through in his chariot. You think that's gonna be there in a week? No, he's gonna be gone. Strike while the iron's hot. When you hear God's word, do whatever God leads you to do in the steps to process things, but pursue God's word and God's direction. So the precision of the spirit, which is so spot on here, is no good without the recipient's obedience. Correct? Right? He could have spoke. Like he does to Jonah. I mean, he, he tells Jonah, Jonah, go to that great city, Nineveh. I'm going to, you know, go there. And it says that he went down, he went down to Joppa, he went down into a, the bottom of a ship, and then ultimately he went down into the bottom of the ocean. Can I just tell you that when we run from God and we run from his word, it's always down, 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 down. Because the sweet spot of blessing, where the blessings flow out, is in the center of God's will. If you will obey God, God will give you opportunities to do things that people would chop off their right arm to be a part of, and God just drops you right in the middle of it. It's a cool thing to be tuned into the Lord and have his spirit speaking to your heart, but obedience is necessary. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, raise your hands in church. No, though that's wonderful to do. If you love me, sing louder than everybody else in the room. Some of you with bad voices have been trying that. That's not what's required of you. Right? He said, if you love me, you will obey me. The proof that Jesus has for the child of God is obedience. That's the proof of love. It always will be. It is the proof that we're loving him. Then the divine setup. I love opportunities like this. This opportunity that Christina talked about earlier was perfect. It was a divine setup, right? God downloaded into her what was going on with the girl on the back row, and she shared with her, and it was a divine supernatural moment. She heard from Jesus. She was obedient, and there was a person that was the recipient of love. That's what the grace of God's all about. But it tells us in verse 27, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, of eunuch, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning. He's sitting in a chariot. Now, this guy is the who's who where he's from, right? Down in Ethiopia, which is bigger than the modern-day Ethiopian. It's actually the Nubian Empire that was all of, all of uh, southern Ethiopia and the Sudan. It's the area that the queen of Sheba came from to discover and to hear the wisdom of Solomon hundreds of years earlier, like 800 years before that. That's how this, uh, the treasure somehow was connected to Judaism, most people believe, because the queen of Sheba brought back the message of Judaism, and it began to grow and flourish there in Ethiopia. It's, it's, it's really an, a mind-blowing series of events in a supernatural way to connect all of these dots. So this guy, he's going, he's a eunuch, 
So he's been castrated, as they were oftentimes to serve in a king's court, and under a queen so that there can never be any danger of, you know, yeah, a lot of, anyway. So a lot of problems would be avoided, right, if we just started uh, uh, doing those things. But <laughs> I don't think anybody's signing up for that, right? But other than that, he's a person of incredible wealth, incredible prominence. He came there to worship, so he's a worshiper in the Old Testament sense. And he came and he got a scroll, and he got the scroll of Isaiah. And at this moment, this divine setup is so cool because it tells us, he's reading from Isaiah in verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So he runs up there in verse 30, and he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you're reading? This is a divine setup. When he runs up, because he, he's reading out loud, obviously Philip, as a student of the scripture, knows Isaiah 53 when he hears it, right? Because he knows the word. And it's a divine setup. God sets those things up, whether it was Christina in the park this afternoon on uh, Saturdays, I study all day, I pray all day, so I'm pretty busy. So my wife usually finds things to do, and she was going to go get her, her fingernails and her toenails done, which actually look really cool. They're hot pink, and I like it a lot. And she's going to get her nails done, right? So she goes to the nail tech, and, and the owner of the shop, she's been going there now for several months, and she has a relationship with this guy, and he's Asian. And, uh, and so he's doing her nails, and she just starts, you know, she's very, my wife's very, so personable, and so she's talking, and she's asking him about his life, and what he loves to do for hobbies, and he goes, well, I love philosophy, and he, so, so he launched into this whole philosophy thing, and he said, I, not only philosophy, but I've been reading a lot about religion, and so then Tammy, uh, religion, Tammy knows something about Jesus in the Bible, and so she said, well, have you really checked out Christianity? Now, at this time, there's another person in a chair, right, the nail tech person, and uh, a, another nail tech and a customer. They're in there, too, and now they're eavesdropping. And so Tammy just unfolds and shares the gospel with these people in the nail tech office, uh, store. Everybody here hears that Jesus loves them and died on the cross for their sins and rose from the dead. And through faith in him, you can have everlasting life. Oh, that looks nice. Thanks. <laughs> right? It's just, I mean, it's just where you're at in your daily life. It doesn't always have to be a, oh, this is the Lord type of experience. Just share your, share your life. You, you just get interrupted. Let me just tell you, if you love people, you're going to have the opportunity to share. Some time ago, I went on this long flight. It was like a four-hour flight night, and an off-duty uh, captain of an uh, airline uh, pilot, he sits down next to me, and uh, it was, I was kind of tired, and it was going to be a long trip. You know how you feel that way? In my head, I'm like, I do not want to have this conversation. I know you guys don't do that because you're good people. You want everybody to be safe. Sometimes I'm kind of lazy, and, I, and I'm in my fatigue. I'm like, do I really want to launch this? And and he starts, and I'm like, okay, now we're all in. Here we go. And so for the next three hours, we just share. And I just talk to him all about his piloting life. When you're interested, in, and I'm genuinely doing it. It's not like some manipulation. I really, once I engage, I really care about people. And then I got to share the gospel with him. And I got to share the hope that's in Jesus. And hey, I'm just on a flight going from A to B. Hear this divine setup I love. This is my favorite divine setup story. Greg Laurie shares about going into the men's bathroom. He's got to go number two. And he goes into the stall and he sits down on the stall. Don't overthink this, please. He's going number two and the guy in the stall next to him, he sees the feet, right? He sees the shoes. The guy next to him and says, do you have something for me? Now that's pretty creepy when a guy... Now, for, you know, you girls, you girl, you, you know, <laughs> girls come back and they go, oh, honey, it took a long time, it was lying. I know, you took the whole line from the table to go with you. You, you guys all go together. Would it be like if I'm hanging out with the guys, hey, guys, I'm going potty, you want to go? <laughs> it doesn't fly for us, and neither do we talk with one another from stall to stall, okay? <laughs> so Greg Laurie says, this guy says, do you have something for me? And Greg's thinking to himself, well, he, it's, he, obviously he knows because Greg used to do drugs. This is a drug drop, a toilet drug drop. And, and, and Greg says, I do have something for you. But he wants to share the gospel. And he says, I have Jesus. And there's a big groan on the other side. <laughs> and this guy, this, no, this is, not the, this is not the biggest part. And Greg says, well, you know, have you heard about Jesus? And the guy says, yeah, I used to go to church and I went to Greg Laurie's church. Greg's on the can right now talking to the guy. 
And he said, well, I am Greg Laurie. The guy goes, no, you're not. Yes, I am, Gregory. He said, can we not talk anymore on the toilet? Can we wait till we get outside? I want to talk to you. And he ends up inviting the guy over to his house. They have coffee. He, the guy recommits his life to Jesus. They met on the toilet, right? <laughs> After I heard that story, I'm like, Jesus, I'll do anything. Can, can you keep your, your, your words to me out of the bathroom? I mean, it's like the potty thing feels a little uncomfortable to me. Anyway. So this divine setup, Philip goes near, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. He asks him, he says, hey, can you, I mean, do you get what you're reading? And you know, people are reading the Bible. I'll have people ask me, hey, I've been reading the Bible. I don't get it. Until you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the Bible is a spiritual book. And it's like a phone book without Jesus. Right? Now, God can use that, as we're going to see in a moment, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. But I love this passage of scripture because it's so spot on. Once again, the divine setup. Who In all of Isaiah, could he pick a passage that's more Jesus-centered than Isaiah 53? Absolutely not. Right? So he says, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, in verse 32, as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And he goes on to say, hey, is, he talk, is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And from that moment, you see, we have the divine direction. Philip responds with divine obedience. God has set it up. He's teed it up. I mean, it's a fastball across the plate for a grand slam. So the divine setup, but now the divine preaching, because God's word will be a key ingredient to anybody's salvation. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And what does that tell us in preparation for Philip? If you heard a passage, if, some, if you walked up to somebody and they are reading the Bible and you hear them out loud, are you familiar enough with the Bible that you would hear what they're saying, connect it to the spot, or at least in general what it is, and could you at that moment, it says, from that scripture, then Philip preached Jesus. Well, that was easy to have it teed up that way because the passage was all about Jesus, but Many preachers have argued through the, the centuries that it doesn't matter what passage you are in or hear somebody reading, you can launch at that point and take anybody to the foot of the cross to hear about Jesus' love, his death, his burial, his resurrection. But what does that require? That you know the word of God. Why are we going through Anchored in the Word, a two-year Bible reading program, and preaching through that passage, these passages of Scripture? So that we are handing out, we've handed out now 2,500 copies, and if that many people are starting to read their Bibles, it, it, this is the thing. Probably only about 10 to 15% of any congregation actually reads the Bible on a daily basis. Why is the church in America so ineffective? Because it's not connected to God's Word. Right? And so when you're going through the scriptures, it is, the Bible says you shall not live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It is nourishment to your soul to make you spiritually strong. It is the sharp two-edged sword to discern the thoughts and the intents of the heart. It cuts through the garbage on my insides and separates. It does heart surgery on me to know that this thought and this intent is outside of God's will. And this is what God wants me to do. And Philip was there. He was the right man at the right place at the right time with the right information to tell this guy about Jesus. This is the precision of the Spirit. The Spirit did not send a guy that does not know Isaiah 53 to go down to the desert and overhear him reading and not know what he's talking about, right? He sends the guy that has the information, that is obedient and willing to go, and that is sensitive to the Spirit. The Spirit told him to overtake the chariot to get close. There's a passage that I jumped over back in Genesis 24, verse 27. And I love this because when the Spirit's leading you, Abraham's servant, Eliezer, he goes to find a wife for Isaac uh, and he finds Rebekah. And he prays before he goes, Lord, Lord, show me the girl that you want my master Isaac to marry. And then the Lord, he has this crazy, <laughs> he has this crazy fleece, if you will. There were all these girls that got their water and they're carrying their water pots and they're coming. And he's like, Lord, let it be the girl that if I ask her for a drink from her pitcher, she lowers it and she'll be willing to water my camels also. Now think about that. You'd have to have the cultural context, right? 
And so he asked Rebecca, who was beautiful, she was a virgin, and she's this, you know, drop-dead gorgeous girl, and he sees her and he goes, hey, could I have a drink? And she lowers the pitcher, and she gives him a drink, and she said, hey, I'll draw water for your camels. Now, that's no small feat. Camels can load up on a bunch of water. So she, she was going to work hard for this guy, and he knew in that moment, because that's what he prayed, that that was the girl. And this is what he says in Genesis 24, 27. As for me, he's telling the Lord this. As for me, being on the way, the Lord led me. I was in motion and the Lord led me. I liken it to, I don't know if you, you know, it's kind of an age gone by, but I see a little gray hair out there. Have you ever dri driven a rig without power steering? Right? The power steering goes out. And I mean, unless it's in motion, I mean, when it's dead still, you can, hard, I mean, you, you can hardly turn the, turn the wheel. And... I liken it, but as soon as you're going five to 10 miles an hour, it's pretty easy to turn, right? It's in motion. When you're walking by faith in motion to whatever God shows me to do, I start moving towards it, and as I get closer, God brings in the precision of what he wants. So I start moving that direction. God's wanting me to go this way. I start moving, and as I'm led by the Lord, as I'm led by the Lord, then he gives me direction. <laughs> I had a young single friend was desperate to get married. We went out for uh, pie and coffee after church one Sunday. He had just read this passage and a really attractive waitress came in and waited on us. And he said, would you water my camels? It wasn't a good scene. <laughs> Didn't. Did not work. Did not work. She's like, creeper. Right? <laughs> she like stayed clear of his side of the table the rest of the time. That, that's not a good line for that. That's not, you know. Cultural context. So the divine preaching that comes, and what happens? He's been led by the Spirit. He's heard the word. He preaches the message of Jesus. But do you know it's not my job to talk anybody here tonight into believing in Jesus? That's the Holy Spirit's job. My job is to declare the truth under the anointing of the Spirit and let God work. Right? Because if I humanly can manipulate you into it, somebody humanly can manipulate you out of it. It's like the drunk that was on the airplane, according to the story, came up to Billy Graham and he's kind of sloshing and thinking, Billy Graham, I'm one of your converts. And Billy said, Well, you must be one of mine because you're not the Lord's. <laughs> right? So you just let God's Spirit do what He's going to do. Let him minister, and I just have to share the truth of God's word. I have to share the truth of God's word. Let the spirit of God move in that situation, and what happens in verse 37, from the preaching of the word, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, then Philip said, excuse me, backing up to verse 36, now as they went down the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? What had Philip told him? He says, Jesus came died on a cross, he's the perfect sinless sacrifice, was buried, rose from the dead. Through faith in him, you can have everlasting life. And those who believe in him and are baptized, they follow the Lord in public baptism. Baptism is only a physical, outward display of what's already happened in your soul. It's a testimony to others. I'm following Jesus because when you go down to the water, Paul tells us in Romans chapter six, that you are being baptized into his death and you're raised in resurrection power. So it's like this incredible imagery. And so he must have shared that because as soon as the Ethiopian eunuch, he's hearing the message, the spirit is moving. He's reading his mail. His heart is wide open. And he just heard the message about believing in Jesus and baptism goes, hey, here's some water. I mean, here's a mud hole out in the middle of the desert. And he says, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip asked him a simple question, verse 37. If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Can I just ask you here tonight, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Amen. Amen. And so would you be then qualified to get baptized? Yes. yes. Amen. And so uh, the, we're, our next baptism is August 14th, so be thinking about that if you haven't been baptized. Let's share the gospel with tons of people, maybe some whosoever converts this week, right? They'll be getting baptized in August, and unless there's a mud hole at the skate park there, and then they're just going to do it there, just get it going on, right? And, but as these things unfold, so verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still, both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. Now, this is not the best part. I mean, it's all, yeah, it is the best part. But I mean, it's got a cool finale. That's what I should say. So we've looked at divine direction, divine obedience, divine setup, divine preaching, and now the divine exit. He baptizes him. Check this out. Philip baptizes him, 
And when he comes up, it says the spirit caught Philip away. He like just disappears. It's like a beam me up Scotty moment. It's supernatural. Now, that's what's going on when it says in verse 39, now when they came up out of the water, in that moment they come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away so that the eunuch saw him no more. It's just like, hey, wait, dude, what's that guy was just telling me about Isaiah, 53? He's gone. Well, I don't know. Praise God. Off to Ethiopia he goes. And so Philip just sent the first missionary to Ethiopia, to the very queen's court of the land. A man of great authority is now worshiping Jesus, loving Jesus, following Jesus down in Ethiopia because the precision of the Spirit had a divine appointment and a divine setup to have him hear the gospel message. But now the supernatural moment, this doesn't happen. I mean, there's just these these random things in the scriptures. But once again, this is a supernatural book. So get used to it. If you're young in your Christian faith, get used to this book blowing your mind with supernatural things that operate outside of the, the, the lines of our time-space continuum. It tells us in a couple of places where this takes place. But in verse 40, where did he find himself? But Philip was found at Azotus, which is the old Philistine town, Ashdod. And passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. So he just went on preaching. Now this has happened before and it's gonna happen again, just so that you know, this kind of catching away and caught away. Philip just like, boom, he's found it in Azotus. He has to find a street sign, you know, and to know where he's at. Like, that was weird. Like I was preaching one moment, baptizing one moment. Now I'm here in Azotus and look around and go, oh, I guess here's some people that need to hear about Jesus. He preached all the way to, uh, to Caesarea. But there's a story when Jesus is coming to the disciples and the disciples are having a hard time in their boat. And uh, in John 6, 21, as soon as they receive Jesus into the boat, it seems like this is one of those supernatural moments that immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. It seems like they were middle of the Sea of Galilee and then just boom, supernaturally some things happen. But more than that, we have these Old Testament times in which the Lord just snatched somebody and took them away, took them to heaven. In Genesis chapter 5, as early as that, it tells us, Enoch walked with God in verse 24 of that chapter, and he was not, for God took him. So he's walking with God. Can you see it? He's just going for a little prayer walk, hanging out with Jesus. And the Lord just body snatches him up to heaven. Go. That would be so cool, wouldn't it? I wish that's what happened the moment you got saved. Like you just like, boom, you're just in heaven. And you don't have to put up with all the garbage of sin. Right? Just boom, I'm just in heaven. That was cool. But it happens to another guy. But there's only two guys in the Bible that have never died, right? They, they, they bypass death. Enoch's one of them. The other one is Elijah in 2 Kings 2, 11. It says, as they continued on and talked, then suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire, separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So Elisha's hanging out. He's trying to be real close to Elijah, and the uh, chariot of fire separates them, and people say he was taken up uh, in the chariot of fire. That's where you get the old gospel song. Swing low, sweet chariot. Well, the chariot didn't take him home. The, the, the fire chariot separated the two of them, and then the whirlwind carried him up. And so he went straight up to heaven. These are two guys that never died. That's why they're uh, definitely on the short list, at least. We think that Elijah, for sure, is going to be one of the two witnesses in Jerusalem in um, the book of Revelation, chapter 11, in the future as a prophet, probably Moses because of the, the plagues and things. But it's not without... Uh, um, consideration that the only other guy that never died in the scripture was this Enoch character. But did you know that it's going to happen in the future? There's this thing called the rapture that the Bible tells us is going to happen, that we shall not all sleep. As a matter of fact, it's called a mystery in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 and 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, which is a New Testament beautiful euphemism for death, because going to sleep, you know, you know when you try to talk a kid into taking a nap, you can't just, they throw a tantrum. You get old. You tell me a 56-year-old to take a nap and you're just, right, I'm ready right now. You're not afraid of sleep anymore. 
And so it uses this word, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet from, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. There's this thing called the rapture that's going to happen. Now, how many of you, I mean, I absolutely, 100% am not afraid of death, but you know what I'm not stoked about is the process, right? Is it piece by piece, bit by bit? I mean, they're going to, you know, I'm not very excited about the process. I'm not afraid of death. I'm just not a excited about the process. If you could bypass all, altogether death and just go immediately to heaven, who would vote for that? I'm in, right? We're in that. We're up. Nothing left but smoking shoes. Just <laughs> Right? You're in heaven. And that's what Paul the Apostle is talking about. There's this moment, we shall not all sleep. We're not all going to die. There is a generation, there is a generation that is going to experience the rapture. And I'm pumped to be a part of that one. One more passage on that as we wrap it up. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, he says, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Hallelujah. John the Apostle, in the last, the second to the last phrase of the book of Revelation says, Even so, come Lord Jesus. Even so, come get us. Even so, catch us away. But more importantly than that, you know, every day that goes by that he has not taken us, just think about the people that are going to be saved this week through the whosoever's outreach. Right? If the rapture happened now, are they going? No, they're not saved yet. They're not even, the ministers aren't even going to be there to minister. God is not slack concerning judgment. But he, uh, concerning his promises, but he wants everybody to be saved and none to perish. If you have not been a Christian longer than 20 years, raise your hand. If you have not been a Christian longer than 20 years, come on, get it up. It's cool. Get it up in there. Okay. Aren't you thankful that Jesus waited for you <laughs> to get in the door? I'm so stoked to get in the door. But what I find happening sometimes is as believers, is like, I'm saved, I'm golden, I'm going to heaven, Jesus come today. Let all these other people just be fodder for hell. <laughs> right. right? Not much compassion. So we have to press in to actually take as many people as you go. It'd be awesome on that moment, right? The last moment, my wife's there with the nail techs. Hot pink fingernail polish and toenail polish. And all of them believe in Jesus and the rapture happens and boom, nails for eternity. <laughs> Hot pink also. No, just easy. What I'm saying though is that the precision of the spirit is to do this work in our life. And the precision of the spirit then took Philip to his next destination, which is Azotus, where he then ended up in Caesarea. And it appears that he got married he had a family. 20 years later, we see him. And this is the family man. These four snapshots you have of Philip. In Acts 21, 8 and 9, it says, Now this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. Out of all the people that were converted to a parent's heart, there is nobody more important to be in the kingdom than their children that they love. And some of us, we've got some prodigals out there. And we're going to close in this time of prayer. We're just going to be praying for God's spirit to work precisely in our lives individually and in our families to reach people around us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for your love and compassion that you put inside of us, that the love of Christ constrains us. And Lord, we pray that as we move forward in this week, I pray for the whosoever's that they would just touch. You would give them all of these divine appointments that people would hear the word of God and that through hearing the word of God, faith would be born in their hearts. Lord, we pray for all of our lives as we go to work, as we go to school, or as we interact, wherever we're at, Lord, use us as salt and light to be your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece. Lord, that we would be living letters known and read by all men that come in contact with us. And so, Lord, we pray now that your spirit would do that refreshing work, that you would do that strengthening work, and that you would do that incredible divine work in each one of our lives for usefulness to expand your kingdom. And we ask it, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together and sing this closing worship song together.